I invite you to turn your copy of God's Word to the book of James. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, we'll read through chapter 4. And again, I had a struggle this week of selecting which passage to use out of several. So I picked the longest one. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, through the entirety of chapter 4. I'll bring out the New King James Version, as is my custom. God's Word declares, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have a bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion, every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yes, you do not have, because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive, because you ask amiss. You may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, O you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you who say today, tomorrow we'll do su- go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Therefore... To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Well, we continue through the list that describes the dreamers. Now, in our culture right now, the term dreamers means something very different than what God's Word is using it as. Um, These are those that claim to have access to special knowledge or divine information. 
and Jude calls them dreamers, that they use their dreams to supplant the truth of God's word among the church. It's their own ideas. It's generated not by their subconscious in a dream, but rather it is generated in their conscious self in opposition to the truth. They might justify themselves. Um, Jude also says that they turn the grace of God into lewdness, that they can live however they please, that they can live in pleasure and in sin and call it righteous. They call good evil and evil good. And they forget that God has a standard, and he will judge according to that standard all men. And so he describes these dreamers three ways. They defile the flesh, and we have talked about that a couple weeks, three, two or three weeks. We also, in verse 8 of Jude, looked at them rejecting authority, and we have spent three weeks on that. We could have easily spent more time on that as well. We come to the third description of the dreamers, of the false teachers that creep in without us knowing it. They're sneaky. And that is that they speak evil of what is glorious. And it is here that we want to spend some time. Uh, again, we, because Jude, compared to the size of his book, spends a lot of time. When you spend two verses on something and you only have a few verses of one chapter, um, that's a lot of time. And so, uh, he's, because he spends so much time here, we need to spend a little bit of time talking about this idea of speaking evil of uh, glorious ones, or what is glorious. And here in our translation, they have used the term dignitaries, and we're going to discuss that a little bit before we do so. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Lord God, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you again for the opportunity to look into your word. And we pray again that your spirit might have liberty to move and work in us, in us all, both in what is spoken and also in what is received. That we might be attuned to your word, to your spirit. And Lord, we know that that requires us to tune out a lot of other things. That would seek to twist your word deny your word, and challenge your authority. And so, Lord, we pray that you might give us the discernment to consider our ways and our thoughts and to conform them not to this world, but to yours. Lord, help us this hour, for this is not something we necessarily always engage in. So, Lord, help us to do it with integrity, this hour, in Christ Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I've shared, Jude is going to take the next two verses to really explain what he means by speaking evil of, in the New King James, dignitaries. And he's going to take us uh, on uh, a path that we're not comfortable with again. And uh, that's going to uh, be borne out very quickly. Uh, but we want to begin with the translation work here. And probably uh, in all of your 
Bibles that have center column or references will show in the, in the center column something to the effect of, instead of dignitaries, thinking of them on an earthly realm of glorious ones is most common. Uh, some of the other translations use the word term celestial beings and things along that line to try to communicate what is being spoken here by Jude. That what they are doing is they are attacking essentially that which they do not understand. That is what is far above them. And that can be on a human level as well as on a heavenly level, a celestial level. And so rather than trying to isolate it to one, and most of your commentators, if you read them, will isolate it to this is talking about angels. They're trying to figure out if they're talking about the good angels or the bad angels and, and go on and on. It, it really is a term that is encompassing of all that that is above you. All that that is glorious, that is of God, that has uh, his favor upon it. That these are willing to speak evil of that which has been exposed to or a demonstration of the glory of God. And so when it talks about the glorious ones, yes, angels were and are in his presence. So even the fallen angels were one time in the very presence of the glory of God. And we're going to discuss that in our engagement with them and and how that uh, should be evident, that we understand that's their place, that was their place, and that we do not um, think to elevate ourselves to uh, putting ourselves in the role that really is only God's. We also find uh, not only of the fallen angels, but of course the Angels that are righteous, that are in his presence, of course, are enjoying his glory as well. And you might say, people speak evil of the angels? Yes, they do. Um, in two or three different ways. Uh, one of the ways that uh, the angels really abhor us teaching about them is the idea that they are in any way to be worshipped. Every time a human has been confronted by an angelic being, a celestial being, and has fallen down on their knees to worship before them, that angelic being has insisted that they get up. Don't do that. Whatever you do, don't do that. I am not one to be worshipped. No, 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 no. That is what caused Lucifer's fall. He wanted to be worshipped. And so when you see the angels reacting immediately and vocally and almost violently, get up, don't do that. That is one facet of false teaching that is really speaking evil because from their perspective, that's an evil thing to worship them instead of God. And so whether it's uh, John the Revelator or others, um, when they, (laughs) they think they're confronting some God-like creature, and there are none. (laughs) There is God, and there are creatures. And there's not demigods out there. And so we come to uh, them, and we find that that is one way that angels are spoken evil of is by being elevated too high. The other way is by denigrating them and by speaking of them as well. And this has been something that is taught occasionally. Um, 
at various times and various places uh, trying to deny what the angels are. They are the messengers of God. They are sent out with, uh, with, with work to do. They are sent out with uh, expectations upon them by God, and we do not discredit them uh, by dismissing them. And so we have uh, the two extremes that are potentially there, and, and so we have that going on. But we want to go beyond that even. Where has the glory of God settled? Where has it resided? Where has it shown itself? And we can certainly now expand this idea of speaking evil of the glorious by looking at the expression of God's mercy and his grace and upon whom that mercy and grace has landed that we who have received his mercy and grace have been exposed to the glory of God and are to his glory. And this, the, the writers of Scripture keep reminding us, is that this is to the praise of his glory, Paul says in Ephesians. We are to the praise of his glory. We are called the saints, the holy ones, the sanctified ones to God. We are the, the participants of, in his glory. And so I want you to expand the idea when you come to this term, and it's, and it's somewhat expanded by using the term dignitaries, but even then you're thinking of something uh, that's, that, that you identify as an authority over you, but this is beyond authority. This is about all that is filled up in the term the glory of God. And so yes, it can even, I believe, be inanimate things um, that bring God's glory uh, the Bible talks about the, the heavens declare the glory of God. And we do not speak evil of that. We do not denigrate it. We do not bring it down. We do not bring accusation against it. But it is certainly with reference to the angelic beings, and I do not deny that. I want you to expand it. Because too often we come to a verse like this and say, well, we, don't really, we, we teach a real balanced position on angels, so we got that one covered and yet we find in our speech uh, towards other aspects of God's glory that we are denigrating it and speaking evil. To understand the idea of what is it to speak evil, I would need to take you to James, where our Bible reading was. I could take you to many other passages, but this one is very clearly and, and, it, and it concisely connects us to really what's going on in Jude in James chapter 3, of course, we have 1 through 12 that talks all about taming the tongue, and it's all about speech. And I really didn't pick up till verse 13 because of its engagement with the idea of your understanding. And this is key to really unraveling the dreamers, is that they are speaking about things they don't really understand. And if they did have some level of biblical understanding of those things, they wouldn't speak to them at all. They are, in some cases, better not to speak of certain things than to speak in ignorance of them when it comes to the glory of God. It is no mistaking that as the prophets are confronted with the glory of God, their reaction has always consistently been to humble themselves, to realize, boy, I've been preaching for all this time, and wow, I, I hardly knew what I was talking about. Now that I've been confronted with the glory of God, 
And so James tells us that if you are wise, in verse 13, have understanding, you're going to show that not by your teaching and evil words, which we're going to get to here in a little bit, but by works that are good, that are done in a good way. That's what it means they are done in the meekness of wisdom. So it is not doing the, just the, doing the good works, it's doing the good works for the right reasons. There are some who will do good works to lord it over others. I've seen it in ministry many times. And they want to be credited for it, they want to remind you of it, they want to do this, and, and you, didn't, you didn't acknowledge it, you didn't praise me for it, you didn't do this, or they hold it over you, you know, or, and exalt themselves. So yes, you can do good works without meekness of wisdom. That's why James adds those, verses, those words, in the meekness of wisdom. That is not to exalt myself, but is to, to express, rather, my humility that I serve others because I esteem them better than myself, which is Philippians 2 calls us to. And so here is what does go on. Verse 14, there's bitter envy and there's self-interest or selfish ambition, self-seeking in our hearts that boast and lie. And it's that combination that I really want to address as evil speaking. That is the boasting and the lying against the truth. That the purposes, remember, of these dreamers is to serve themselves. They want to keep going in sin. They want to have authority and they want to disregard other authorities so that they can have it in themselves. And we have seen that. Uh, and the manner in which they do this is both by boasting and by lying against the truth. And so they elevate themselves because that's really their main interest. This is not really serving you, but elevating self their own concerns, their own cares. And so we find it's the case in their language. You will hear it. You'll hear them speak of all that they have done and rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it and, and uh, rehearsing it not just to other individuals but to themselves and even to God. Have you ever heard people pray like that? Well, we've done this so much for you, God. Uh, don't you think we deserve this? Boy, if that kind of attitude enters into your prayer, you are of this nature. You do not understand the glory of God and how much he has already done for you or you would never think to come to him in such a manner. That is a boastfulness. And then in terms of lying against the truth, um, these people are going to do it extensively. Uh, and again, we have already looked at many areas that they do it in a very sneaky fashion. And we might say, oh, I didn't recognize that lie. How did Satan lie to Eve? He spoke in a question. Did God really say? I say, well, how can a question be a lie? It can't, but it can be deceptive. Its, it's intention is to create doubt and to begin this process of, well, is God really good? Did God really say that? How could he say that? What sort of God is this person? 
to speak to you in this fashion or to give these rules to you. And so the, what generates all of this is their own interests. In verse 15, we begin to understand really what's coming out in Jude. And so verse 15 is going to be one of the critical verses as well as several in chapter 4. It says, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Envy and self-seeking exist. Confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that's from above is first peaceable. He's going to give you a list here. Or first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And it's going to be sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, the whole idea here is that there is a wisdom that is from above and there is a quote-unquote, wisdom that is of this earth. This is a clear classification that there are two spheres of thought. That which is celestial, that is from God, that brings him glory, that is from his glory, that is we call revelation. Where God shows us the truth. Because God cannot lie. There is then another sphere of quote-unquote wisdom that is of an earthly nature. And I want you to see how James describes that. It is earthly, sensual, that is not necessarily sexual, but sensual, that is it's, it's about your senses. It's about things you can touch, see, feel. You know, I can, I can get goosebumps over this. It's stuff that you can, you can attach yourself to. It's just like when Jesus was teaching and he was teaching about heavenly things and they couldn't get out of the earthly things. He's saying, you need to eat of me. And they're like, we need to eat? We need to become cannibals? Because they didn't understand he was talking spiritually and they were thinking he was talking on this earthly level. It says, many left off following him because they couldn't get their brain out of the gutter of earth into the heavens of the truth. They couldn't get that. They couldn't realize that he's telling these parables and he's describing the kingdom of heaven is like. He says, I have to come down to what you can sense and touch and taste and feel to, dis- to give you stories, to give you some kind of idea of what heaven is like because when I talk to you specifically about heaven, you get lost. Why? Because your brains are earthly, sensual, and now we have one more word to describe this sphere of thought. Demonic. And this is the realm that brings us into Jude. It is demonic. Why? Because this is the place where Satan and his cohorts have been sent. They are here. Those that did not leave their abode and dwelt with with the men of the earth and produced the giants, those are kept in everlasting darkness. Remember, that was that category. But there's another category. And this is their temporary place. They are here. 
They are not in the celestial regions any longer. Revelation makes it clear that when Christ arrived with the blood of the Lamb, that, it was, they, that he was cast out. Revelation chapter 12, that the, the dragon was cast out. Where was he cast to? He was cast to the earth, where today he's described as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Comes to you as an angel of light. And yet he is darkness. So this world is the place where he exercises himself. This is his realm for the season. And it should not surprise us to find that the thought, the quote-unquote wisdom of this age and this place is inundated with the, the demonic that they will fight and lie against the truth of God's word at every single opportunity, on every single level. They will start as early as they can to get into the mind of your child. They can't wait till they're five they got to start earlier than that. How do you start earlier than that? Well, you train parents to use the television as their babysitter. Now you have the mind of that child. Parents don't have the mind. The television has their mind. Or video game, or iGod, whatever. We were digging through my office a little bit this week, and I was... Um, going to throw out some CDs. I said, they're not going to work. They're so old. They're like from when my kids were little. Okay, and they're all having kids now. And I was like, these aren't going to work. And I plugged one in the church's computer there. I was like, oh, I'll show you. They're not going to come up. Well, sure enough, it came up. I guess new computers can still run old programs. Who knew? Really old programs. I mean, like, when were you in third grade? 20 years ago? Okay, that's how old. Maybe 15, 15, 20 years ago. So I said, I'm going to play this little game. It's, it's third graders. It's a, educational. And I started going through this, and I started going through it. I was like, this is all a bunch of stuff that is directly opposed to God's word. They are training this on the basis of education, of teaching them math and reading and matching and all of that. But the theme of everything was environmental worship, evolution, mysticism of ancient races that were definitely not God, but they were wise. And I got done with that, and I was like, I just wasted like an hour of my life, and this is what it's inundated. And I, I thought I was doing my kids a great service by giving them this educational, and my kids played that thing. And now I'm ashamed. I don't know that I ever played it. I think that was the problem. I probably should have played it before I ever let them have access to it. They'll begin at every level because the realm of thought generated, the quote-unquote wisdom generated is earthly, sensual, and demonic. And that's why we get to chapter 4, and what does James tell you to do? He says, don't you understand that friendship 
with the world, in verse 4 of chapter 4, is enmity with God. And we spent a lot of time on enmity. We already read this passage back when we studied that in Judah. Enmity. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. There are, there, there are two very distinct and 180 degree opposite fields of thought. The one is very attractive to us. Why? Because it's right here. It's earthly. I can hit it. I can touch it. I can manipulate it. I can put it through chemical reactions. I can measure it. I can kick it. I can, I can do all of these things and think I'm smart because I did all these things to stuff. God says this realm that you're so attached to and so interested in that you think is such valuable is demonic. And yes, I believe, because I believe, I've told you this many times, because I believe in Satan and demons, you have to believe that they are engaged and not disengaged in the whole realm of developing ideologies and concepts that seem reasonable to us of this earth and yet stand in direct contradiction to the revelation of God, which is the other side. The truth that dreamers want to lie against because they're all about themselves, they're all about what I can do with my body and liberty and all of this without any confines And James says, the wisdom that is from above in verse 17, that's the wisdom below, earthly, sensual, demonic. But we're comfortable with that. It's in our wheelhouse of our experience and our capacity to manipulate it for our own interests, for our own aggrandizement. But the wisdom that's from above (laughs) is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Wow. There's a wisdom that's from above. And there's a wisdom that is from below. One is destructive, and it says in verse 16, every evil thing is there. The other is pure and peaceable and full of mercy and genuine. It's the genuine article. And there is a calmness, a steadiness, a sureness there. It is predictable. I have thoroughly enjoyed this week of watching the Weather Channel. Not because I like seeing islands getting flooded. That's not the aspect that I enjoyed. I enjoyed listening to them do projections and watching spaghetti charts of where a hurricane's going to go. We're sure it's going to be somewhere in this range, and now it isn't anywhere in that range. Didn't go where they said it was going to go. Oh, well, now it's going to go. And I 
What foolishness. We apply all the best and the brightest and all of our capacities and we're wrong. Because we deny that there is a creator that is not far away and uninvolved but intimate at hand and intimately involved. But we are friends with the world and enemies of God when we want to bask and move in this realm of wisdom and reject the wisdom that is of God. Offhand. So let's go back to Jude now with that better understanding of two very distinct fields of thought. I'm going to skip verse 9 for the time being. Verse 10. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know. And whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. There are two realms of thought, of wisdom, that are opposite of each other. These will speak evil of celestial, glorious ones. These will speak evil of things above them that are divine, that are heavenly, that are of revelatory nature. They will speak evil of the glory. And I, just as I shared last week when about rejecting authority, the authority of God's word ranks right up there along with the other rejection of authorities. Uh, they will speak evil of this. Why wouldn't the demons speak evil? Why wouldn't you expect them to try to deny every facet of this book and any facet of this book? What foolishness to think that the minds of men are driven only by inquiry and not by envy and selfish ambition. Only because we want to know. But we reject one very important stream of knowledge, which is divine. And these will speak against it. They'll speak evil of the celestial glory. They'll speak evil of what comes from heaven, the wisdom that is from above, James says. Do we speak evil of the wisdom that is from above? He says, why are they willing to speak evil of things that are from above? Because they don't really understand it. They have so enamored themselves and so conditioned themselves and so enjoyed their time in the earthly over here that to step out of it into the celestial, into the heavenly, um, is frightening. They can't do it. It says they speak evil of what they don't understand. You know what they do? They sit in their realm and they point the people who believe in divine revelation and say, those are the fools. They don't know what the fools believe. 
They don't know what the Bible really teaches. They've never really grasped it, studied it, engaged it. They just stand in their realm and say, that is silliness. And as I engage people historically in the past, I've had them say that we're the brainwashed ones. I said, really? I know what you believe. Do you know what I believe? All they call, oh, you believe some fairy tale. Really? What is my fairy tale that you think I believe? Oh, you have no concept of what I believe, yet you condemn it. I understand what you believe. I got it taught to me as a kid all the way through. I've lived in this world. I was educated in the public school system. I know what the world believes. I know their earthly, sensual, and demonic wisdom. But you don't know mine. You'll speak evil of it, but you don't understand it. So why do we have wars? Why do we have conflict? Because the wisdom of this world can never bring peace. Because it's not pure. It is all tainted. I've tried to unravel some of that for you by getting into realms that you feel confident are good, godly, biblical concepts to live by that our quote-unquote Christian nation is founded upon. And I've tried to unravel those for you so you can see that they are couched in the exact same worldview as every other one out there that is built upon the wisdom of this world that, yes, has absolute demonic influence and denies and speaks evil of the wisdom of God, that which is from above. They don't understand it. Go to Proverbs chapter 3 with me. Very familiar passage, I hope, to many of you, but in case it isn't, I want to make sure you read it. Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord, verse 5, with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So when you re read that, my own understanding, that is the stuff that you can feel touch with your senses that is of this earth and that is also, as you sang about, whether you were realizing you're saying about, you have near you your enemies. You are in the realm of your enemies. That's what it means to be an ambassador. You're in the realm of of your enemy, another nation, another people. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean on all understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor, Lord, your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase. Your barns will be filled and plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. My son... Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. 
for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than the gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things she may, you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, not pleasureness, but pleasantness. And her paths are what? Peace. See the connection? She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who return to her. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so there will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. We've sung about that today too. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or trouble when wicked, from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Trust in the Lord. Here's a realm of thought. It requires something of you. You're going to have to trust somebody. To tell you things that your eyes can't see, your ears can't hear, your fingers can't touch. This is a whole new realm of wisdom. But it is one that will bring peace. For this wisdom over here has only brought us war and conflict. This has brought us peace. This is where there's mercy. This is where there is willingness to yield. That's humility. That means I'm not going to force any of what I believe on you by sword, by gun, by bomb. I'll yield. You want to be that? Okay. You want to terrorize at me for not being that? Also okay. I'm ready to let that happen. That's called persecution, by the way. As far as I can tell, because I trust in the Lord and have confidence in his word, that if you slay me for being in this arena of thought instead of your arena of thought, I have a privileged place in heaven, below the throne of God, where I get to ask God, how long till you judge these people for rejecting your grace and your mercy and your authority? You see, when it says that they speak evil of what is glorious, it isn't just angels they're attacking. They're going to attack everything that is in that realm of thought. For it requires faith to trust the Lord, even beyond your senses that can deceive you. I always enjoy puzzles. You guys, most of you know that. But I also in, had several books that I remember in college I was really into these. 
um, pictures that look one way, and you say, oh, I can see that, and then it turns, and you realize, oh, that's not at all what I thought that was. <laughs> they would see something on the wall, and it just looked like a bunch of lines, and I was like, oh, the only way you can see what that's a picture of is you have to get the right angle. It just looks like a bunch of lines. But then when you get at the right angle to it, you say, oh, there's a picture there. But if you look at it straight on, so I was really into all of that, of, of, the, of the skewed, and the because it teaches you something. You can't always trust your eyes. People can deceive you, can't they? Your senses. Does God? Will God? No. He cannot lie. That's why it's first of all pure. This knowledge I will that so many speak against, this understanding, this wisdom. It's from above. It requires us to begin that journey in it by faith. Which is the evidence of things unseen, the substance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11 tells us. Can't see it, touch it, taste it, bite it, kick it, manipulate it. You have to accept it. Those over there are going to speak evil of it always. Because they don't understand it. Because they never begin with the first step. And the first step is trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. And so, they speak evil of what they do not know. So when you go up to verse 8, it says, Speak evil of glorious. Replace glorious with things they did not know. They don't really know. All they really know is their animalistic what they can touch, and those things, look at this at the end of verse 10, those things they corrupt themselves by. They use what they do figure out, groping around in this dark where you can't turn on the light of the pure truth revealed from the celestial heavens. That's a redundant statement. It's from the celestial sphere. You cannot use that. They're groping around what they do get their hands on, they're going to use not for good, not for the benefit of themselves or for man, but to destroy us even further. Every evil thing is over here, James says, because its beginning is wrong. Because at the very beginning, it's all about selfish ambition and envy. It's all about themselves. It's all about, I don't want that. I'm over here because I don't want that. I don't want to acknowledge there's a God because then I'll have to humble myself to him and I'll have to acknowledge, and then I, I don't want that. They think that being a Christian, you have to turn off your intelligence. They really believe that. I, I've talked enough of them. They, they, in fact, several times I've had people say, well, you seem too smart to be a Christian. I was like, no, I'm, I'm smart enough to be a Christian. I said, you're too smart to, be, to believe you are a monkey. Wow, you got to be smarter than that. But the issue is that even what they do figure out of this world, they behave like animals. It says like brute beasts. <laughs> and isn't it fascinating that science has brought us so far that we now believe that we are nothing more than brute beasts? You're just an animal. 
Why are you surprised that people behave like animals? They have been taught for the last, what, all my life, that they are animals. Of course they're going to corrupt themselves. They have denied the existence of all that is glorious. They have denied not only angelic beings that we're going to talk more about next week with verse 9, but where they have talked against all of God's glory from creation all the way through their singular intent is to lift themselves up to be like God, when really what they needed to do to be more like God is to lower themselves and trust in him, that he might transform them to become co-heirs with his son, Jesus Christ. This is what is engaged by the dreamers to draw us away from thinking spiritually. We even have little sayings I grew up with. He's so heavenly-minded, he's of no earthly good. How many of you, that's the first time you ever heard that? You see, you're all young. (laughs) None of the old people raise their hand, they never heard that, because they've all heard it. Because we grew up hearing that. It was an indictment from that sphere of thought against people in this sphere of thought. You're so thinking about heaven that you're not even concerned about what's going on on earth, which is the stupidest lie that is out there. Who do you think is helping the people in Houston the most right now? Heavenly-minded people. I have a couple of friends heading from Virginia down there as we speak. They might have already arrived. The Southern Baptist Virginia disaster relief, and they're very actively involved in that. And they're there now. Samaritan's Purse, they've been there, and they'll, they, they've been in Haiti, they're credible. Why? Because they have their mind in heavenly things, and these are the people that are of any earthly good. But do you hear how these who don't understand us speak of us? I remember when we were out wrapping presents several years ago, many years ago. We were wrapping presents to raise money for orphans in India. We had their pictures And I had someone come up and in their arrogance said, you guys should be concerned about the kids right here, about the children in America that are poor and orphans and all of this. And I just sat there and smiled at them. I says, well, are you using that as an excuse not to have your gift wrapped? You don't need to use that on me. And I said, why don't you talk to some of these children that are here? 
I said, because out of the 12 children that are here, seven of them are adopted by people in our church. And these adopted orphans are raising money for orphans in India. And the guy slinks away. He thought he had this arrogant argument. But the fact is, he was doing nothing for people on earth, uh, in his country or in any other country. But he thought he could speak evil of us. And righteousness shuts his mouth. See, they will always try to find fault. They'll call you fools. They'll call you useless. They'll call you... and call you, and call you. Remember, they speak evil of what they do not know. They speak evil of glory. The glorious things that they have not, because they have not trusted in the Lord with all their heart. They're still leaning on their own understanding. They are sensual, earthly, and demonic. We are called better. Let no one lead us down that path in any way, shape, or form. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your love for us, for your word, for your truth. We thank you for your revelation, for your light, from wisdom from heaven above, from your presence, from your glory. And Lord, we are so thankful that you have chosen to share your glory with us through Jesus Christ, through your word, your spirit within us. Lord, we know that we are spoken evil of. As have your people, your followers for millennia. That Moses was spoken evil of by his own people. David was spoken evil by his own father-in-law who wanted to simply please you and serve you. Lord, give us courage and confidence to function and live according to the wisdom that is from above. And Lord, grant us the discernment To recognize that there is a war between that which is celestial and that which is terrestrial. In the realm of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. We might be prepared to engage the enemy, not with accusations, not with argumentation simply that you would rebuke them as we live righteously and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of your coming and until that day Lord find us faithful in Christ Jesus name we pray Amen